podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What kind of international break would out it would it be without hearing from uh, your three favorite Yanks? It's uh, it's me, Justin. Joining me as always is Kev. How's it going, Kev? Hey, I'm back. You kept my seat warm. Yeah. And uh, and and, and Mister uh, Joey Connors. How's it going, Joey? Hey, not bad, fellas. How are you? Doing all right. So it's the first day of spring in the U.S. and uh, you know, of course, the three of us live about two and a half hours probably apart as far as widest span. Um, Joey, what's the weather down by you? Uh, I'm up to about 11 inches of snow, but now four times already, just. It's, uh, shitty. Yeah, how about you, Kev? Joey's getting his full workout in. Um, it's been a slow build and now it's dumping on me, so I don't know, I don't know where we're gonna be at the end of today. It's gonna be a rough one. Yeah, I'm the furthest north, and, you know, we've gotten quite a bit here, but it's apparently gonna get worse. Been outside once to walk the dog. That wasn't pleasant. I'm not looking forward to doing it after this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> Let's let's go on to um, affairs that are uh, a bit uh, sunnier, and I use that as ironically and negatively as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> as only you can, Justin. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to Twitter, but the official, uh, a lot of the supporters clubs, both official and unofficial in the U.S., are uh, putting a lot of pressure on NBC, uh, specifically because of their use of Neil Ashton. Um, the Sun reporter in their match day coverage. And I'm wondering, have you guys, uh, I mean, first off, have you guys seen much of it or signed the petition? And then overall, I mean, Liverpool, from what I've seen as far as television numbers, the most tele, you know, the most watched, uh, Premier League games, Liverpool consistently ranks at the top of the American, uh, broadcast spectrum. Do you think this is a bit of a slap in the face to, uh, to Liverpool supporters in the U.S.? And do you think that, you know, obviously the tragedy that befell at Hillsborough, a lot of U.S. supporters have come after it. Do you think that uh, there's uh, enough education about Hillsborough in the, U- in, in the, you know, in the American Premier League watching uh, community? Kev, I'm going to I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, yeah, so I the, I definitely saw the petition to start with your your initial comment. Um, it is. Sort of. I haven't watched the segment that much. I've seen it come on a couple of times. I, I know what it is. It, you know, it's sort of a remote connection to Neil, and he kind of goes through this, the the papers and what they're saying, and includes the Sun, and he works for for them, and you know, and affiliates. So, and uh, so that's obviously hard to take as a, a Liverpool Liverpool supporter. Um, it can be construed. I think it's definitely a snap in the face now that it's public. Um, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt of ignorance, but, um, I don't know how far I can even, even push that. Um, you know, there's been in the past, in recent history, there's been a lot of talk about what happened in Hillsborough in the United States. It was a great, um, ESPN 30 for 30 short on it, um, that I thought was done really well. Um, there's been other documentaries that I've seen passed around in, you know, in U.S. circles that, um, you know, that should have some sort of reach. And uh, I've been talking about it for years. And, and, you know, even my friends who don't watch football are well aware of of what went on um, and have asked questions 
certainly since that ESPN um, documentary came out. Um, but yeah, it is it is kind of a weird thing, especially because, as you said, it can be taken that Liverpool is the most watched um, club on NBC, um, and not, and I don't think we were on the most amount of games, but the most uh, the most amount of televised games. But I think we were the most amount of people in general. So that just shows you that. You know, even not being the top club as far as how many matches are on TV, um, there's a ton of support out there. So, um, so yeah, I think now, especially now, it's been um, put to the attention of NBC and and those in, involved and maybe producers that were unaware should definitely be aware now. Um, there are more supporters clubs joining in. There are more supporters clubs from other um, other football clubs joining in. So. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it goes somewhere. Um, but as, as of right now, especially, like I said, you know, now the information's out there, it does feel like um, a bit of an affront to Liverpool fans to 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 continue. And I, I don't like advocating for people to lose their jobs, but, you know, it's not – he's not – it's just an aspect of his job and contract for NBC. He's not going to get fired from his, his day job as a journalist. You can get another journalist in doing it the same exact thing – with different newspapers or, you know, the rest of the newspapers, I should say. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to take. I don't watch it, um, anymore. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully going forward with, um, you know, the push from not just Liverpool sports clubs, but other, other football teams, uh, it'll, it'll get somewhere. Yeah. And Joey, before, before I come to you on this, I think there's also just the fact is, and it's something to point out, nobody's asking for Neil Ashton to get fired from his job at the Sun. Whatever the Sun does, none of us, and I say us because LFCNY actually, uh, we kind of, we're the, we, we kind of started this and, uh, we're not the only people carrying the water. There's, there's a very good group of people doing a lot of work. Uh, but we're not asking that the Sun fire Neil Ashton. We don't care what the Sun does internally. They could, they could do whatever the fuck they want, right? We just don't want them to, you know, be allowed to be, to have a voice and a face on US, on US television. Particularly in the soccer market, because and, and and it makes it really difficult, because you know we're we're not telling other people how to consume the sport or anything. We're just saying, for our perspective, we like we're boycotting their pre and post game match, you know, items. You know, we're not watching Men and Blazers. We're not watching. We're not consuming their data. We love we love the two like you know we love the two Robbies. We love Rebecca Lowe. We love Kyle Martino. We love Men and Blazers. But you know what? If they if they're going to be associated with with uh, you know on the same network that's going to use the sun in good conscience we can't con- you know we can't consume that their media and we'd prefer not to and NBC has a way to do this which is end your relationship with the sun instead of ignoring us completely and now blocking us on Twitter because of the fact that we're bringing pressure to bear so there that's 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 kind of the outlined approach now joey i i know that you're probably just gonna end up you know agreeing with us because i've spoken to you about this before and i know that that's the case yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, anything sure. else you want to add on the topic no i just i'll say this i, I give you guys justin you, a ton of credit i'm not a big pregame watcher although i do agree that that the pregame show is that as good um but you brought this to my attention i i like i didn't realize that they were doing that in lfc new york twitter and you got you in general have done a magnificent job of bringing this to the people's attention. And they're really, it's appalling how you're being treated, to be honest, like blocking on Twitter is just like a really, really childish thing to do when this is a serious sensitive issue. Um, you guys both basically said everything. So there's no need for me to delve much into it, but 
I do think somebody like NBC should really do something. Uh, and Kev brought up the 30 for 30. I think a lot of people watch those. So, you know, that was a tragedy, man. That was a, it was a big cover up. It's a whole story. You know, I, I, I've learned a lot from it, you know, just from, you know, the other guys in our WhatsApp groups. I mean, stuff I've never knew before. I learn more stuff on Hillsborough literally every, every week, it seems. But what you guys are doing is, is awesome. And I, I'm totally on board with it. Sign the petition. And it's just up to them to make the change. It's like you guys said, nobody's calling for Neil Ashton to be fired. Just end your relationship with, they shouldn't be on there. It's a disgusting newspaper that spreads disgusting rhetoric. Yeah. And I just want to clarify one thing, Joe. It's, it's not necessarily me who is actually leading this initiative from an LSC and Y perspective. Um, I wouldn't want to take credit otherwise. That said, I'm also not going to out who it is just because of the fact that, um, I think having, you know, names associated to it could lead to a backlash. And I want to make sure that, that, you know, the people who are leading this, um, remain, you know, in, in the power and numbers portion of, uh, the supporters clubs rather than individual people. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I understand. That makes total sense. I just, I'm speaking from my own personal self. You brought it to my light, which was really good for me because otherwise I, sometimes I don't notice that stuff on Twitter and I'm glad that I have noticed it and you brought it up. Yeah. So American Reds, if you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't signed the petition, um, and you are interested, you know, reach, reach out to, uh, you know, LFC, you know, all the official supporters clubs in the Americas. LFCNY is doing quite a bit with it. Um, the Sunset NBC account on Twitter has a lot of information as well too. Um, you know, you feel free to feel free to contact me. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. You know, you can find me at Admirals and Chavez. Uh, but you know, as far as this goes, uh, the only way to to make this you know actually work and get the result we want is going to be constant, sustained, loud pressure. Uh, so I appreciate everybody to give me the soapbox to start with. Um, now we're going to talk about media of another sort. Um, earlier today, an interview was released through uh, the Liverpool Echo, where James Pierce has quoted Emre Jean as saying, um, you know, effectively, I'm going to leave and wherever I end up going, it's a big club. Um, now it seems as if there's a, a secondary story coming out, which is that Jean's been quoted out of context. Um, I guess the question that I have to ask the both of you guys is, uh, are international breaks really boring? Uh, Kev, why don't you have it this one first? Yes. Yes, they are. Which is why we record a podcast every international break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, this one, uh, I, I had heard the quotes like secondhand and, uh, sort of, you know, flipping through WhatsApp and Twitter. And, um, you know, it's no, it's no big secret that Emre is probably going to leave in the summer, um, on a free, which hurts. But, uh, Apparently, he said something about moving on. Wherever he goes, it'll be a big club or, or something to the extent. Um, and then I did a little bit of looking on uh, Twitter and other places uh, um, before this podcast. And um, the account LFC Transfer Room, I think, did a translation because um, it was from a German newspaper. So it did it, the further translation of, of all Emery's quotes. And he's a bit it, – it's a bit easier not – easier to take, I guess is the wrong phrase, but it, it comes off a lot lighter than what was, re- what was reported. It sounded like he had just been like, well, I'm going to move in the summer and I want to go to a big club, you know, saying that, you know, Liverpool's not, not where he needs to be to be in a big club. And if you read all the quotes, it, it kind of doesn't come out like that. Um, he talks about how great it is working for Klopp, how, how he likes the way the team plays, how he didn't realize before, 
um, joining Liverpool, you know, until that first preseason in the U.S., like just how big of a club it is and, you know, and that sort of thing. So I don't know. if I mean, he may go in the summer. I'm, I'm assuming he will. I've kind of, you know, set my mind on that. But uh, but I, I think it was oddly reported. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, Joe, I guess, uh, you know, I, I, you and I have gone back and forth on John before, and I know that you believe that he is a, a very good, potentially great player, but is it there and would be a recoverable loss. Has your, like, and, and that's an opinion you shared with me a little bit back. Has your opinion on that changed at all? Do you view him as maybe more or less indispensable now? Or, you know, would you be, uh, would you be okay with it? And in general, do, do, do the, you know, do his comments or the way in which they may have been taken out of context, do they irk you? That definitely irks me. Um, if you guys know me at all, you know that stuff irks me, the taking out of context stuff. Uh, I did re- finally read the article. Um, I know it was debated a lot on WhatsApp today. I just like if you're not going to put the actual quotes, and I don't, I don't know James Pierce, but I know the Echo's done this kind, of, this kind of stuff before, and it seems to do one purpose: it fires up the fan base, fires up Twitter, and gets people talking. Well, gee, why why would a newspaper want to do that? I wonder why. So that part of it bothers me. Um, and, and if the guy leaves, listen, I, I think he's our best midfielder. I really do. But I don't know how much that's saying because I don't. You guys, again, you guys know me. I don't. <laughs> there's adequate there's adequate players in there. I would like better. Now, I'll say this. Ever since they've started buying better players, which has been very recently, then I'm okay with taking the hit. I'm not okay with him leaving because he's been teaching under an incredible manager, and I hate to see the, those skills go to wherever, whether it's Juventus, whether it's City. You know, everybody's speculating where he's going. I don't think anybody actually really knows. He could come back here, and that'd be great. I mean, what's he, 22 years old? I would love him to come back here. He's certainly, he's certainly giving it his all. He's not whatever they call it, downing tools, I think they call it in um, the English parts. Uh, I don't, he's not doing that. But if you do lose him, yeah, you could, we could replace him because it seems like we're buying players. Now, that sucks because you have to spend resources to replace him and it's probably going to be a lot of money. Uh, there's been guys looked at like Jorginho who've been named a lot. Um, I'm sure there's a laundry list of guys that, again, we've been recruiting much better. You, my way of looking at this changes because you see guys like Sadio Mane, guys like Mo Salah, guys like Navi Keita. That is the kind of recruitment we've been waiting for for years. Now, it's not done enough, and we all would have probably agree with that. Um, but it takes time. I mean, the biggest key to this is not losing players, which will always be my point of contention, is that you can bring in all the talent you want, you can't just sell your best players or you'll never, you'll just be treading water basically. Um, so yeah, I don't want him to leave, but it sure seems like he's doing that. Now it's been speculated, whatever the reason is, whether it's a release clause, he wants too much money or he just doesn't want to be in England anymore. You know, the guy's, he's German. Maybe he wants to go play at Bayern. Maybe he wants, Italy's a great place to live. Uh, or if he goes to city, I mean, that, that would hurt. That would really hurt. But maybe he wants to play for Pep Guardiola. I, I have no, I, I'm not sure. You can't get into anybody's head and nobody that I know knows him personally. So it would suck to lose him. Sure it would. But I think the way that Liverpool is going about their business very recent makes me believe that, yeah, it's a loss, but I think we could make up for it. Yeah. And I think that, I, I think that the, the concept of is there a plan, I think is, uh, something that, uh, I don't think, I don't worry about it as much anymore because, you know, it, as much as everybody thought, oh, there's no plan after Coutinho's left, 
the team has effectively played extremely well since Coutinho, uh, since Coutinho left. Mane has taken over some of that creative mantle with, you know, it, it's almost like Mane has dropped into the midfield a bit more and Salah and Firmino are now playing more. It's just kind of like an out and out forward pair, uh, even though we yeah. still line up as a 4-3-3. Yeah. But it does feel like there was a plan because of the fact that we have tightened up at the back with Van Dyke. So it's effectively, Maybe we lose a little something going forward, but we tighten up at the back and command games a bit more. To be perfectly honest, since we've had Van Dyke, the or the only game in which we've really kind of missed Coutinho was against United, and we've had him play against United the past three. You know, since the past, you know, the three games where Mourinho was there beforehand, he wasn't making a dent against them either because they would just sit up to park the bus against us. Maybe would have been better in those half spaces that we were given, but. If the end result is effectively that there's one game that we're missing a player for, and we got 142 million for him, and we've yeah. improved, that actually does speak to the fact that there might have been a plan. And maybe this is where you know Joey, you and I did a, a two-man podcast where we talked about uh, mm-hmm. my potential sharing in your vision of uh, what's the plan and maybe what is the long-term planning. Yeah. As of this exact moment, I think I think that both of us might you know this is constantly going to change, and it's always an argument. But I think as of this exact moment, it looks like you and I might have been wrong, and I'm glad to be that in this yes. case. Oh, yeah, 100%, Justin. I'm, I'll raise my hands up anytime I'm wrong. And yeah. it, it clearly, I mean, Mo Salah's been the best signing in not just in our league, in, in every league. So if you're nailing on guys like that, and I don't care whose decision it is, it, it's irrelevant to me as long as you work together and come to a conclusion. Um, and it's, not, it's about having just not one guy. You know, Virgil van Dijk was a special case. And he's clearly made a difference in our team. And if anybody can't see that, you know, listen to the Under Pressure podcast. But you can see that with your own eyes. He's made a difference in our team. Uh, like I, the point I made about Manio is is brilliant. He, it really has looked that he's played that way with the Firmino and Salah up front. Um, but the team hasn't really lost a step. I mean, the United game to me was, I, I don't know, can I call it a bit fluky? I, I think it kind of was. I, I don't. You could probably point in a lot of things like Old Trafford's just like a difficult place to play. Um, they really were better than us for a half, but not the second half. But a loss is a loss, so you know I don't want to just be like, "Oh yeah, we didn't deserve it," because I don't think we deserved anything from that game. I know we've had that that talk too, Justin. I know the guys said, you know, I would have been okay with the draw, but I just, you know, the way we played in the first half, they could have blew us out. Yeah. But yeah, and clearly, clearly, there's it, it seems like there's a plan. You know, we we I just it, it's hard to come to grips with a lot of people. It's hard to come to grips when you see team spending ridiculous amounts of money. But again, I go back to my point. We don't have to spend the money. It's about keeping the Mo Salahs, the Sadio Mane's. That's the guy. If you can just keep them and add, like we already know we're getting Keita next year. You have to add on to what we have. And if you can't do that, again, we're always going to be stuck in that top four, maybe get a trophy, maybe get the Champions League if you're, if you're lucky. And, you know, that's not a knock on Klopp. That's not a knock on the guys there. It's just you need firepower when you get later in the stages and in the leagues. You, you need firepower off your bench. Like, I mean, look at City could lose three players probably for the season and it really wouldn't affect them. Now, I know they're probably the outlier. Of course they are because, you know, not many teams have that kind of depth. But that's my big thing. I need to see that. I don't need to, I don't need a summer of rumors that Mo Salah is going to Real Madrid or Barcelona, or PSG, whoever can afford. You know, I don't need that. I don't need the Firmino's leaving. I need those guys here, staying in Klopp, buying into it, and then we could possibly win a championship. But that has to happen in my eyes. 
Yeah. So I'm going to actually take a twist of a question. I'm going to level this to Kev, uh, actually, kind of then on that point. Um, it seems as if, you know, after Salah's four-goal game, uh, you have, you know, media pundits like Shea Given saying, Liverpool will be lucky if a big side doesn't come in for him. Do you think there's like a manufactured media thing where basically, you know, because of the fact that we've lost, you know, Suarez, Sterling, and Coutinho in the last few years, that, but, but that was when our trajectory was kind of at a different point. Um, do you think that there's a, you know, kind of a manufactured media narrative to sell papers to just basically sit there and, you know, funnel the transfer rumors that we're going to be robbed, uh, you know, that Bayern are going to come for Firmino and, uh, you know, Bayern is selling Lavendowski and going to come for Firmino and Salah are going to, Salah's, you know, going to come to be a long-term replacement for, you know, Gareth Bale and Cristiano Ronaldo. Do, do you think that that's just kind of like a bullshit narrative or do you think there's some truth to it? Um, I think we're just victims of recent history when it comes to the narrative. Um, we, you know, we had a great run and then we lost our best player. Like, you know, we came in second and lost maybe one of the best players that we've ever had. Um, at least certainly that stellar season. And then he went on to win the Champions League. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I think we're a victim of sort of that narrative, but you're always going to have, um, that sort of media circle. Um, spewing that sort of that sort of stuff and it's happened forever it's happened since you know the the early madrid you know galacticos reign like everybody knows that eventually those greatest players would end up there and now it just so happens that there's also barcelona and there's also Bayern munich and there's also now psg um so i think there it's just more more places to go i guess but yeah i mean i agree that i don't really want a summer floating the headlines are already out there 200 million for Salah to either PSG, Barcelona, and Madrid. Um, if I have to guess, only one of them could afford that. But um, the it it's just yeah, as I said, it's just it's recent history. So we're gonna have that. We're gonna have that for Mane. We're gonna have that for Firmino. We're gonna have that for Keita as soon as he gets here too. If he you know if he's as good as he looks, um, and we're we're probably gonna have that for Van Dyke soon. We're probably you know it's just it's just what Liverpool is. So and it's a victim of recent history as far as transfers we've made and recent history as far as championships we haven't won. Um, I don't think United has this problem. I don't think Chelsea has this problem. I don't think City will have this problem um, because they have a lot of trophies in the cabinet recently. Um, so even not having used a lot of financial power, like Chelsea didn't really use a lot of financial power as of late, there's not a lot of headlines of them losing their best player. Now, Hazard has come up a few times to Madrid. I get it. But, um, that's because there's, I think there's a lot of turmoil behind the scenes and things like that. But, uh, but you don't hear it as much as us. And I think it's because, you know, we're in that sort of, I mean, honestly, we're in that tier below, you know, when it comes to, fi- you know, financials where we're in the pack with Arsenal with Spurs close by. Um, so yeah, it is sort of old and trite and it comes out every time, but it does have an impact and it kind of puts a downer on a summer when all summer you have to listen to these guys. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, as you guys said, that we hold on to our best pieces and keep adding. Um, I think the team that we have right now, uh, at least the players that we have right now, um, that are getting the headlines are in it to win championships. They're not in it for money. Uh, at least that's the vibe I get. So if we can add a couple more pieces and make a run next year, then all this is a moot point. But uh, we have to hold on to those pieces this summer. Yeah. So 
Speaking about the things that you know are going to put us in position for the summer is the uh, the the little matter of uh, the old you know the All England uh, Champions League tie between us and um, a, a side with no history in the in that particular competition. But uh, I guess the open question that I have to both of you guys is, and uh, Joey, I'm going to come to you first on this one: Are we getting through? Um, are we going to get through? Well, I, I want to say yes. Um, we unfortunately have to play that team, which I, I'm okay with that because I, 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 you know, the whole Ric Flair thing to beat the best, you got to be the best, you got to beat the best. Woo! Sorry. Yeah. So I, I, I like doing, I like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't like back, back, backing down from challenges. I would have felt a lot more comfortable if the second leg was at Anfield. Um, because I just think there's something special about Anfield and European nights and, I just don't know when I watched that game. Um, so the first game, Mane gets sent off, and then you know the, I, I don't get I don't put too much into that because that game was fairly back and forth. I would say pretty close at the Etihad before he gets sent off, and we end up getting blown away. But you know, again, I don't put too much into that because of that. The second leg, we basically come out and we 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 kick their ass, but they scored three goals in ten minutes. Now. Uh, that's the shit that scares me because that team clearly can score and score and score. I, I don't care who you'd have in defense. They're going to score on you. It really doesn't matter. That's the way it seems. They've been that way all year. I mean, the, the, it's, it's like, just like a fantasy team of, you know, in a good way though. It's not just like they're throwing a bunch of stars together like United. Like that team was planned out brilliantly. They have a brilliant manager. I, I just, I think it's going to be really difficult. Uh, I'm going to say, they can, of course they can. Um, we talked earlier, Justin, about can we win a championship? Of course we can, but it's almost like things have to break perfectly for us. Uh, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's just the way it is because we can't, you know, it's a different argument. I understand we can't spend that, but I'll stick to what we were talking about. So no, I don't think we're going to beat them over two legs. I hope I'm dead wrong. But I, I just can't I can't see it. Even with Virgil Van Dyke back there now, I know that's gonna help. That team just puts so much pressure on you. And I and I know a lot of those guys haven't been in the Champions League. I get that. But Pep has. He has enormous experience. Um, he'll know what to tell them. And and I just there's too much talent on that team and they've produced. It's not like it's just like, oh, they're talented guys and you know, maybe they'll have shocking games. I, that could happen. It, it can, but it hasn't happened all year. Uh, and again, when we beat them, I know we're the only team to beat them. I get that. I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I know Klopp's head to head with Pep is really good. And it's, I think it's the best of any manager in, in, in world football, which is, which is amazing. And, and Klopp's a great manager as well, but I just don't see it over two legs, over one leg. And I know it's not the way the competition's played. I'd feel more comfortable. And like I said, it's the the biggest thing for me is not having Anfield as a second leg, and, I, and not not that the Etihad's like a big um, home field advantage or anything. I just would have preferred it the second leg away or, or the second leg home. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I don't I don't think we can beat them over two legs. And Kev, how about you? Yeah, I'm sort of in the same mindset it's a weird way it's actually the draw i didn't want i would have taken pretty much anything else because they know us more so than any other continent now the continental teams have probably watched us but they haven't played us Pep's played us you know a couple of times now um 
Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's it's one of, you know, the phrase is usually like, oh, we can beat anybody over two legs. But I tend to agree with Joey in that I think we're more likely to be perfect in one than we, than we are in two. I don't think either of these games are finishing nil-nil. Um, I think we're built to score and hope for the best, and they're built to score and hold possession. So it's on paper, they are a better team than us. That's a fact. And they have a deeper, a lot deeper depth and probably maybe the best depth on, in Europe. I don't know. But, uh, and they're, fa- they're one of the favorites. So it's, it's always going to be tough at, and that's what we can expect in this round. Um, is it possible? Yeah. Um, as he said, um, it's, I, I do like having Anfield in, in the second leg because you have that sort of, if you really need something, then I'm sure it feels the same way for the players that the atmosphere can, can push you over the line. We've seen it. How many times have we seen it? Um, so we're going to need that in the first leg. And I was reading, um, uh, statistics recently that it's becoming more and more, um, it's basically more and more you have to win the away leg to go through. Um, it used to be that you can sort of fumble your way through it or like shut it down. Like Rafa used to kind of shut it down away. And then at home, you know, we could beat anybody at home, you know, so, and that's kind of how we got to, uh, to get through a lot of the rounds. But recently across all of Europe, it's been more, um, you'd have to, you have to win the away leg more often to get through. It hasn't been likely that you would going through if you're drawing, if you're drawing nil nil on the away leg, or if you're, you know, if, if you're easily, you know, if you lose the away leg, it's really less likely you're, you're going to go through even if you win at home. Um, so that's going to be important. That second leg, I think is we're going to need, we're going to need to score there and lots of times. Um, so I don't know. I, I have a good feeling about it only because of, you know, the kind of the form we're in and, um, I guess the confidence level of the players and the way the system is, is working in England and even with the, you know, and I do agree that it was kind of a fluky game against United, even with that result, you know, when was the last time we lost a game? Yeah, it's been, been a while or like even lost that you can go like, yeah, the other team outplayed us. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a really interesting one because it's Pep and, and that team sheet is, is unreal that he has at his disposal. But, um, but, you know, Liverpool and, European nights, stranger things have happened, right? So, and I'm I'm pretty confident in in the way we'll play. I'm just hoping everything where everything is going to have to break our way. Basically, um, I think we'll play well in both legs. Whether that's enough, I don't know. Because if City are on their game, it, you know that's why they're how many points ahead now? 15, 18, 18, 25. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I think it's eighteen if they yeah something like that. Yeah, it's uh, the pace they set is, is pretty frightening. So. You know, and we'll see what they can do in Europe. But, um, but as Joey said, I mean, look, we're, we're a very dangerous team and there's not a lot of teams in Europe who are going to want to play us because we're just one of those teams that on our day, we can beat anybody. And if we get past City, there's not one team less in the tournament that is going to want to play us. I'll put it that way. Um, I think we can do it, but everything's going to have to break our way. Yeah. So I ultimately think that we are going to get past them. Um, I'm banking on two particular things though. Um, one that will just happen and one that needs to happen. The one that will happen is, I just think Mohamed Salah is unstoppable at the moment. Um, even against United, where he said, like, where he, you know, 
quote unquote didn't have a sniff and was outplayed by Ashley Young. I thought it was more a, pro- a problem of the midfield not giving him any sort of supply and breaking down United's lines. And even then, with a referee who actually has a pair of uh, you know working testicles and, and actually will blow his whistle, Salah's earned a penalty and probably given us a draw in that game. So even in a game True. in which he was shut down, he still posed an incredible amount of threat and basically had to be manhandled to be kept out of it. Now, the other thing that needs to happen is uh, something that you know we all want, which is don't play Lovren. It's that simple. Just don't play Lovren. Play Matip. Play Van Dyke together. Do that. Please. Don't play hey, Lovren. Do you, do you remember that second game when they scored those three goals in ten minutes? Lovren's out of position for two of them. He's out of position for two of them. And again, this is anybody who listens to AI, we, we, everybody thinks we have an agenda against them. We don't. But if you could go back on YouTube and watch them, he is literally responsible for two of them. If, if you do that, they're going to destroy us. Like you just can't. And the thing is, like, I don't want Klopp to change anything. I want him to go balls to the wall the way he plays, press the shit out of that team, do exactly what you did to win that second tie. The problem is, it's just, can you keep them off the score sheet enough? And I, because of the away goal, the way, um, goal roll, that scares the shit out of me. And, you know, again, I, I know this much. At the end of both those ties, I'm going to be emotionally drained. Like I just had like a third child. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that much because they're so, I mean, every game for me is emotional, but those ones are just because of what's at stake. And I, I, I'll say this. I like I love Justin's attitude, and I think if we do beat them, I think we win the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think we I think there's a chance of just the fact that we might see the you know Salah being crowned as effectively at the moment the best player in the world. Not that like the way he's playing right now, I, I can't find anybody better than him in the uh, as the way he's playing at the moment. I'm not yeah, saying he's the best player yeah. in the world. He is not. He hasn't proven in, form, it in, yeah, in, in form. form. He is. He is not the best player in the world. You have to prove yes. that over a much longer period of time to earn that moniker. On form, he's totally fucking unstoppable and leads all of Europe in scoring for a good reason. You know, Correct. Gr- granted, you can make the argument that maybe the best player in Europe isn't a forward and it might be a defender or a goalkeeper, but I ain't mm-hmm. buying that in the 2018 European play. It's an attacking yeah. game at the moment. Well, you also brought up a really good point that I, I completely forgot to touch on is that you're actually going to, and I'll say this now, and I'm going to knock on wood, but you, in theory, you're actually going to have competent referees, is what you said, Justin, is basically what you said. And I, you're right about the United game. There was four fucking questionable penalties in that game. And again, I'm not a complainer about refs, but it's a constant problem in the Premier League, and I know it is other leagues, but it seems the Champions League is much better refereeing. So that, you would think, you're not going to get away with the, the, you know, the, the bullshit that you get away with sometimes when you play the bigger teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like I, I think that there's always you know refereeing because of the nature of you because of its you know human nature and human fallibility aspect. Like it's mm-hmm. never going to be perfect, and you're and like in every single game there's going to be some sort of call that's going to go against you that's going to irritate you. Most of the time they're small calls like a foul, you know, a free kick given outside the area which gives a team a set piece opportunity. It's when they're it's when you miss just something so egregious like. You know, Ashley Young's, uh, ripping down Sala in the box or, um, you know, something like, uh, the, you know, the kick to the, ch- the, the, the high boot that was put in by, uh, Antonio Valencia late in that game where you've seen Mane sent off for a boot that high. Like some level of consistency would be appreciated. 
Because for me, it's not even necessarily the calls that go against us or for us. It's the lack of consistency in awarding them that pisses me off. Because I don't believe in the concept of it all evens out in the end. I agree with that. I don't. I don't. It, it I don't. Think that. I think it, there's little, there's I nothing know. to prove it. There's nothing. I've to prove watched it. sports too long to know that you're dead right about that. There's no. Sometimes fun. the bad guys win. That's yeah, <laughs> that's the way it goes. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> my that's favorite. How the world works. My favorite book about sports ever is called "The Bad Guys Won," which is a book about the 1986 mess. Sometimes, yeah. root, sometimes <laughs> the teams you root for are filled with assholes. Oh my god, yeah, I get no question about it. Yeah. Many of the teams I root for now are filled with assholes. So. Yeah, like sometimes that just happens, but. The idea is, like, it doesn't even out, but you know what? I, I wouldn't complain about it if there was a level of consistency and, um, the, and like, a referee like Craig Pawson. The occasion was too much for him. He didn't want to be the center of attention and whistling a foul or anything against United at home. But in the end, by not doing that, he made himself the center of attention for not having the courage to make calls that were fucking clear as day. And on top of that, the guy, and I don't even know who he roots for, but he was born in Manchester. Like, there's, yeah. there's probably family he has there who roots for him. That plays a part in your thinking. You know what I mean? Like, it, it does. Like, you don't want to, oh, I made a call against Manchester United, Liverpool wins or ties the game up, then I have cousins or, you know, aunts and uncles giving me shit about it. Like, I don't... Yeah, pick a fucking it, ref from Devon. There you go. That's fine. That's fine for me. So, guys, it's just like you said, it. He's, he was just too big for the... The occasion was way too big for him, and I mean the the handball on Valencia is so fucking obvious. Like, and it's, I don't know. It's again, we're going down that road of Manchester United because it's the you know. Yeah, we're not it's a game. It. It's a game that's going to stick in my craw because of for two reasons. Me too. For for you know, if you were to rank the performances in that game, you'd rank United's first half performance um, as the best performance in the game, um, mm-hmm. and then you'd you'd rank Dejan Lovren and Trent Alexander Arnold's performance. As then the, you know, the second worst, you know, the, the, the next, you know, the next thing down the line. And yeah, then you run Craig, and then you rank Craig Pawson at the bottom because regardless of the results or not, right? Take, strip away the result. He had one job to do and he totally failed at it. Yeah, he did. He really did. You can't, okay. you can't really say it any other way. He did. Yeah. But we've gone off on a tangent. Um, the, uh, now let's bring it back to, you know, the, the sweet spot. Um, we got seven games left in the league, right? Um, most of them are Drek. Um, you can see, you know, we're going to Selhurst Park for our next game on Saturday the 31st. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a bogey ground, uh, but our recent history against, uh, Palace has been pretty decent. I guess the question becomes, those seven games, it's, there's a, there's a Manchester, there's a, sorry, there's a Merseyside Derby right in between the two games against City. You know, timing couldn't be any worse. But, mm-hmm. The question is, are we going to finish in the top four, knowing that if we go out and beat Palace, which Roy Hodgson's managing them, so they've rolled over against everybody else. I expect them to put forth a Dionysian effort against us. Um, but uh, we could be 10 points up on Chelsea before they kick off against Spurs on April 1st. I assume that we're going to beat Palace because they're terrible. Is that going to give us a big enough cushion to finish comfortably in the top four? Uh, Kev, let's go to you first on this one. Yep. It's <laughs> the bottom line. Um, Spurs can do us a favor if they, you know, if they beat Chelsea, they do everybody a favor. Uh, draw will, will help too. I think a, a, uh, if we beat Palace and they draw their six points, is that how it worked out? And if they lose their, 
uh, three games back. So I think it's over then. So I think basically if we beat Palace, Chelsea has to beat Spurs, which is possible because Spurs are terrible against Chelsea, which we've seen in the past. Um, but I honestly, I think we're, we're, I think we're, I'm pretty confident of our top four place. I'll put it that way. How about you, Jelly? Uh, yeah, I am too. Definitely. We have, we have Palace, Everton. Yeah, I'm not counting the, the Champions League games. Yeah. Bournemouth, West Brom, Stoke, the big Chelsea game, and then we finish at home versus Brighton. Uh, I don't see any way why we shouldn't. Uh, Crystal Palace actually did themselves a big favor by winning their last match. So they're out of the bottom three by three points. I know it doesn't keep them completely clear. They're actually in 16th, though. So that's good. Actually, I think that actually helps us is where I was going with that. The, the urgency may not be there to come out and play way above their heads. But, like, you know, we lose to United 2-1. to one, Then we come back and we annihilate Watford. There's people worried about the Watford game. And we just I, – I don't I, I used to worry about those games too, and then I just stopped because we've been pretty consistent all year. We've been really good against those teams, and I think we beat Chelsea too. Now, whether, whether it matters or not, I know it's at Stanford Bridge, but we're a better team than they are. So, yeah, I think we finished fourth. I don't, I don't see there being any reason why we shouldn't. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you guys. I think we're going to finish. I think we're going to finish in the top four. Um, I think ultimately the thing that really could put Duke work in our favor and comfortably put us in third, Spurs still have to play against both Chelsea and City, right? That Chelsea Spurs game, the best result for us could just be a draw, right? It would yeah. still keep us nine points clear of Chelsea. It, it gives us a, like, it would put it, it would give us a cushion on Spurs in third place. Spurs would still have to go to City, which regardless of what happens, City squads deep enough as to where even if they're resting players and are, you know, at that point still involved in the Champions League, which would come at our expense, um, they're still strong enough to go out and, and, and play Spurs and beat them. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. No so, doubt. so Spurs have, you know, of those three, we have the easiest remaining schedule. Now, um, I expect down the stretch that all three of us are going to beat all the draws. I think that we all know what there is to play for. I think Chelsea's going to. I think Chelsea's going to take the hammer to the draws. Um, I think Spurs are going to do the same, and I think we're going to do the same. I think ultimately where it's going to fall down is that Chelsea's just wobbled in the last, you know, two or three months has been uh, has been their downfall. I mean, they just haven't played that well as a team, particularly in the midfield and defensively. Uh, outside Hazard. And William, nobody's creating for them. Pedro's been fucking awful. That guy started. Pedro's starting. We can take a step back and for one thing. How the fuck did Pedro last at Barcelona so long? I, he was good there. I, I don't <laughs> know was, what. Yeah. He was actually really good there. So I don't know if his, he just lost talent. He doesn't have. I mean, it looks like he's still running pretty fast. I mean, does Messi make you that much better? I think he definitely does. Um, I think he could make me, maybe not in their front three, but we could play in a hell of a five elite. You know what I mean? So yeah. a five aside, I, I just think that he guys he put a goal on a plate for you. Yeah, oh, I could, yeah, I could score a single La Liga goal against the relegation bound <laughs> no team question. if if Messi if Messi is uh, you know taking on like their worst defender, and I could just get a tap in. I think that's, I think some guys sometimes just don't translate to other leagues. You know, like they're not like maybe he wasn't used to the. Premier League, you know, I, I I'm not sure, but he's been yeah he's been fucking terrible for them. But yeah. there's a lot of guys who have been terrible for them. Yeah, I mean like uh, Bayakoko, I think is just not a particularly good footballer. No, he looks awful. You know, what I mean like I know Morata scored what, in the FA Cup, but he hasn't lit the world on fire. 
For a bigger um, guy, Murata seems really soft. Yeah, he he seems like your um your soft European NBA guy is what he reminds me of. <laughs> That's what he reminds me of. Like I, I it's, it's there's a reason why like Real Madrid probably didn't want him on their team. You know, like it, Real Madrid don't get rid of players like that usually. So, but he hasn't been great, and their their best player is Hazard, who you know you can't win games by yourself playing soccer. It just doesn't work that way. There's ten guys on the pitch and a goalie, so. Yeah, I, th- I think we're getting top four, definitely. So it's yeah. look just quickly looking at um, who's a good follow. Uh, Andrew Beasley is a good follow on Twitter. Uh, Base tuned to red is a phenomenal follow. Yeah, he's he. I think he writes for the Liverpool website now, right? So, um, but anyway, his his personal stat stuff. Chelsea just to get the average team finishing fourth, the points at the end of the season. Chelsea needs to average two and a half points per game from now on. Wow. Um, so that's six wins and two draws and no losses. So they can do it. It's, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask for. Yeah. So. We can still, we can still lose two, draw one and still, still be there. United's pretty much there. They need 1.38. We need 1.86 and Spurs need 1.88. So are all the three that are up there now are all under two points a game, which is, you know, pretty doable. Mm-hmm. And we only have one big six match remaining. I get that Chelsea away game. The rest of the teams have two. So we're in we're in good shape there. Who else do Chelsea who 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 does Chelsea have? Oh Arsenal. Uh, I'm like yeah they have Arsenal. Tottenham right and Arsenal yeah yeah Arsenal. and United have City and what else do United play? All right, so they uh, play City in the Derby weekend. Here's a here's here's a a fun pick'em question because uh, nobody's looking at them because they're a fucking mess. Does Arsenal count as a big game for any of these sides anymore? Oh boy. Uh, I guess against I, Chelsea it does because it's a London derby. That, that's exactly what I was just going to say. And against it's Spurs, I guess it does. But yeah, because I, I, I think that you know, the fucked up part of like Arsenal still have a lot of talent on their team. They're just they have huge amounts of talent on their team. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's just one of those. You know, it's when you don't know if your manager's going to be there or not. Sometimes you really just say fuck it and I don't feel like playing anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they remember remember people in the January were like, oh, they're bringing in Mkhitaryan and. Obama, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, and people were shitting their pants, and they've been worse since then. So, I mean, the talent's there. They just maybe they need a new voice. That happens. Even it's not like Wenger's not a great manager. He was a great manager. He may not be anymore, or maybe he just needs a change of scenery. But yeah, I think Arsenal's still a big game now. If I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're gonna. Maybe they just don't play real well. But you know, their fans aren't gonna put up with. Obviously, their fucking crazy ass fans aren't gonna put up with that. <laughs> you know, um, I beg to differ because Troops has put up with a lot. That, yeah, <laughs> some of those dudes on Arsenal TV, man, I don't know where they find those guys from, but it oh, is comical. I fucking love Troops. <laughs> so they, I mean, they're in with a shout for the Europa League, right? They must be yeah. best bet, best bet to win it, right? Or are up? Who's I thought? Atletico Atletico still I, there, I, right? I would so, still, I would yeah. still put Atletico Madrid. ahead of them. Yeah, just right, so yeah. Atletico. I mean, with Atletico, we're talking about a team that's gone to two Champions League finals in the past four years. Yeah, they're still that core like, is all still there. The core is still there. Yeah. They just they just had a rough Champions League group and are still, you know, very very good in La Liga. Um, yeah, they are. Also, and defensively they're excellent. So. Yeah, and a Simeone and a Simeone managed team is going to be. I think it's just a much tougher proposition. It'll be significantly more up in your face than in Arsenal. Yeah, right. so, definitely. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying they must be playing for something, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, know. that's, that's kind of because that's a path to the Champions League. Right? Right? Yeah, so. it is, it is a path to Champions League, directly yeah. into the group stages. You know, it would be kind of nice seeing Baby Keith dump Arsenal out of the, uh, out of the Europa League. Yeah, I would take that. 
I don't yeah. I don't like the baby Keith thing. Um, I think but, it's kind of funny. It's a great autocorrect. Yeah, I just see it all the time, and I'm like, oh my god! Like people change their Twitter handles to that, but hey, whatever makes you happy, it doesn't matter. He's our player in, in a yeah. few months, so that's all that matters. All right, so here's uh, here's one, right? And uh, you know, we're getting near the end, and this is where we can let loose a little bit. Um, the best autocorrect in his in the history of soccer is it Degsy. Degsy is, is what Dejan autocorrects. Dejan comes up as yeah, Degsy. Um. Because it does sound so English. Degsy? Don't they call him Degsy? Like, don't I think people it's because, call him? Yeah, I think it's because of the autocorrect. Is that why they do it? <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, Kev, did, did you figure that? I mean, like, because my phone's autocorrected Dejan to Degsy God knows how many times. Most of the time, they're curses, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I want to make I every- want to know what a Degsy is that it's autocorrecting to. <laughs> when I type it mine, mine goes to Dewan. So, well, at least it's a name. So, yeah, it's a name. You, so you're saying that you watched a lot of University of Memphis basketball around the mid-2000s. DeWan Wagner? Yeah. Shout. <laughs> well, is it DeWan Wagner's, yeah. Wagner's a Philly guy. He is a Philly guy, yeah. He is. Um, I was just shocked. I don't know why I was. We do a basketball yeah. okay, podcast weekly, but I was like, oh, there you go. Shout. Yeah, I, I watched the NBA, Joe. You should know this. <laughs> yes, I know. I was just like, I was out of the blue. I'm like, holy shit, where'd that come from? Yeah. But um, I, guess, I guess that brings us to the end here. Um, this, this, this one kind of flew by. I guess uh, the one thing I want to reiterate and, uh, you know, is uh, from the beginning of the show, please, uh, if, if, if you're interested, I'm not going to try to force anybody, but I will compel you with the power of me begging. Um, please consider signing the uh, petition, uh, you know, to remove Neil Ashton from, from the air and the NBC and uh, cut off their association with that vile, rotten, lying rag uh, whose name merits not being mentioned on this podcast. Uh, I, you know, if, if you're an American supporter, I, uh, I urge you to sign the petition. If you're a non-American supporter, I would say please don't sign the petition, but please do share on social media and try to make sure that it does spread around because uh, I don't think NBC Sports is particularly going to take um, pressure from people who aren't, you know, who aren't reliant on the product that they are, that they are selling in order to make that change. So that, that's, uh, that's one thing that I, uh, you know, I urge you to do. Um, before, before we get out of here, um, I just want to know, uh, you know, Kev, Joey, you guys plug in anything? Nope. <laughs> Everything Justin just said, just uh, do all that. Yeah, same here. I'd like to just keep the focus on that. That's more important than anything I would plug, so I'd like to focus on what Justin said. So. And just, you know, one final uh, note of uh, personal ephemera from uh, the, you know, the New York Reds. Um, you know, recently uh, the, the original owner of 11th Street Bar um, passed on. If you've ever been into 11th Street Bar, you know that um, it is definitely, as far as New York goes, a, uh, a very, very, very special place to watch a Liverpool game. So um, I, I also just want to pass on uh, condolences and a rest in peace to Brendan O'Reilly and his family for uh, enabling a, a fantastic community of Reds in New York City. So thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll be back at you guys uh, soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.